Welcome to episode 36 of Chew on This Energy United podcast. I'm BJ. Vic. All right, so we have a big announcement at the end of this episode, so please stick around for the very end of this episode. Some big news uh, for us. Um, we're really excited about it, so please stick around for, for um, the, the announcement, which is kind of ironic considering what this episode is about. Yeah, it is kind of <laughs> ironic. <laughs> you'll, you'll see the irony at the end. <laughs> okay, so uh, this is our Star Trek Beyond review. So let's see. Um, let's go a quick recap of the prior J.J. Star Treks, which is Star Trek and then Star Trek Into Darkness. Yes. So just on, let's just stick with the Rotten Tomatoes rating because it doesn't really matter what they ended up with money wise um, because they're right. not going to not they're not going to stop making these movies, especially after this one. So Star Trek, the first one came back at 95 percent, reboots the entire franchise, and it got me to like Star Trek. It made me actually go back and watch the first two Star Trek movies. Was never really was never really a big Star Trek fan, but I think I've said in the past before, the reason why I loved the reboot for J.J.'s Star Trek was because he turned Star Trek into Star Wars, which (laughs) which was basically a lot of gripes with a lot of the Trekkies um, that it wasn't a Star Trek movie. And I can completely understand that, that. Again, the reason why I liked Star Trek, J.J.'s version, was because he turned it into Star Wars. Um, so that was, yeah. nine, I think it was 95% um, for that first yeah, one. Yeah, it was rated really high, and it, it was a really good movie. And I was really surprised, probably like everyone else, that they were able to take those iconic characters and um, do something, you know, some of it was different, some of it was the same, um, recaptured a lot of the magic that the, the previous uh, cast had which was very very surprising because i was so skeptical about this movie and then when they got zachary quinto i remember when they announced him at comic-con i was there um when they announced that people just said oh absolutely he looks the part and really good really solid movie that was really solid and this is basically the the biggest sense of the word reboot because they literally rebooted the episode the, the whole franchise in one movie they could right. not have if, – if you're looking for a reboot, this is the movie for a reboot because they actually explain why they rebooted it. It's not like Spider-Man when you get like three versions of Spider-Man. You're like, well, why do you just keep rebooting it with a different actor? They actually right. explain why they reboot this movie like in the movie itself. So um, if you're tired of reboots that just reboot it for no reason whatsoever, Star Trek, J.J.'s version, gives you a reason why they reboot it, and it makes yes. complete sense in the movie itself. The best Star Trek movies have time travel, too. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, a lot, a lot of the better movies have, have time travel in it, but uh, when it's done right, anyway. Um, so <coughs> that, that, that leads us into Star Trek Into Darkness, and I was kind of surprised that it was 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, because I, as much as I loved the first movie, I was kind of disappointed in the second movie. Um, well, the biggest disappointment was they, for the longest time, they were denying that um, Khan was going to be in the movie, which I think it was a huge misstep um, because Khan was in the movie and people went, yeah, so, you know, like, see, you know, why did you have to hide it all this time? Um, so that was a really bad marketing move. And number two, they brought the movie out. Um, it felt like, what, four years after the other one? So you thought, oh, man, they had enough time to really like develop the story. And then the movie came out and it just did not live up to the potential that I thought it could be. Um, really, I thought it was a misstep for sure. Yeah. The, the whole, the whole non con thing was really stupid. Um, they basically flipped the entire 
Wrath of Khan thing on, on its side and, and reversed roles instead of Spock at the end of the movie uh, dying, uh, you know, sacrificing himself. It was Kirk, but he didn't die. So it was kind of <coughs> like it, it didn't have the same impact um, as as the Wrath of Khan, which is still holds up today. That movie um, uh, mm-hmm. holds up very well. Still, so it it was uh, it was a big misstep, but still, I guess because of JJ's direction and the quality actors that they got in the movie, um, it still it still got an eighty six percent. I guess I held it up to a higher standard after the first movie. I probably would have put it in the sixties or seventies. Um, yeah, for me. I was thinking like seventy five for me, and that's that's tr- that's like generous. Yeah. So moving on to this weekend, um, Star Trek Beyond. Uh, J.J. leaves Star Trek to go to Star Wars, which basically he was kind of already there without the Skywalkers. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and they bring in Justin Lin, which for me, not being a Trekkie and not being a huge Star Trek fan, I was skeptical that they got Justin Lin. I would have been like, they got the fucking Fast and Furious guy to do Star Trek? Like, there's nothing smart about those movies, really. Well, actually, that's not true, because Fast Five was fucking awesome. Um yeah. Uh, that whole heist at the end, the whole way that they did it was so Ocean's Eleven type thing. I loved it. Um, but again, I can understand where people were worried that I'm just going to see a shit ton of you know Enterprise ships and stuff like that, or or, or Federation ships just you know dragging a fucking safe racing space. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, the, well, the thing that that came to mind, like when people were watching the trailer, everyone said the same thing. They're like, "There's a fucking motorcycle in Star Trek," and. I, and, you know, we'll go more into that a little bit later, but spoilers, by the way. Um, so, but yeah, when we saw the, the motorcycle, I was like, oh God, they just couldn't resist. Like it was it, anything short of like, they could have just put a Ferrari in the movie and people have been like, oh, all right. Like, that's like Vin Diesel is going to pop out anytime and, and, <laughs> and, and race some aliens for the, for the fate of the world or some shit. Um, but he definitely knows how to, um, he knows how to film action in those movies. I think the one gripe that I probably have um, for this movie is that the action sometimes is a little muddled. It's really hard to tell what's going on. It reminded me of like the first Transformer movies where you couldn't figure out which robot was fighting who. It, there was a lot of that. So I was really surprised that the action wasn't really what drew my attention to this movie. It was everything else that was good. Um, and we'll go more into that. Uh, but I think you. I think you just... You said something that kind of piqued my thought process, and I, and I should have thought about this first. Because when you think Justin Lin and you think about Fast and Furious franchise, all you think about is just straight action. But what yeah. he did, but more importantly, what he did more than anything, in, in the first movie, there's a big, there's, a, there's that character development with of um, Vin Diesel's character, Dom, where he talks about family. Lin took that that little barbecue thing in there and the couple of speeches that he talked about um, in there and brought it into the franchise and expanded mm-hmm. on it and developed that. And that was something that I didn't really think about until like right now when you said, you know, action and all that stuff that he's really good at directing and character developing an ensemble cast. Yes. So because I actually care about the characters in the Fast and the Furious and I know how ridiculous those movies are. Like, I, I'll be the first one that says, like, he drove a sports car through two fucking skyscrapers, like, across the way. Like, that's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> that's so goddamn ridiculous. Like, because... But it just, it looks cool, though. And and you can tell that the the, the characters are, like, 
when they're believing in it, then you believe in it as an audience. You're like, right. You're like, oh, cool. You know, because that's not Star Trek, right? This <coughs> is not Star Trek. It's not Star right. Wars. It's not fucking Marvel where these people can do superhuman things, but they do things that you're like, so I'm going to get into this Mustang and we're going to drop out of a carrier and just like fucking, you know, on the side of a mountain. Nonetheless, like there's no, no steering. Yeah. There's no steering in a car. Like while you're being dropped out of a fucking plane, but I'll be dropped up. I'll be dropped down perfectly onto this like side of a mountain. Like, but you, but you, you suspend disbelief because you care about the character. Like for me, anyway, I care about the character so right, much. Right. So, so that was the one thing that I never even thought about with Justin Lin was that he knows how, in my opinion, anyway, he knows how to direct and character develop an ensemble cast, and that's important for Star Trek because everybody needs to shine, and Star Trek Beyond does that. Uh, very well. Um, even the, my, the the smallest details about everybody in this movie itself work, and they make you care a lot more about each person. Um, yes. So big kudos to Justin Lin because I fucking love this movie. Um, everything about this movie, it reminded me of a Star Trek movie, but with way better action than the first two movies of the original series didn't pull off very well. Um, as yeah. good as as good as Wrath of Khan was, there wasn't a ton of action in it. Um, I, I felt like they took us. He took a Star Trek movie and gave it like balls. Yeah, because there's a lot of science sure. in this. There's a lot of science in this movie. Um, so you're a bigger Star Trek fan than I am. What did you think about Justin? Lin I absolutely over? loved it. I'm really bothered by the 84 percent on Rotten Tomato right now because I think it's it's one of their best <clears throat> Star Trek films that they've. I'm going to rank um, the Star Trek films at the end of the podcast, and I'll tell you where it lands. But it definitely is one of my favorite um, uh, movies in the Star Trek universe. Uh, they really recaptured what Star Trek is, and that's relationships. And then, of course, all the technical technical babble and all that shit, which they always do really well, that you believe. You're like, oh, yeah, you need to convert the thing to the thing, and that would do it. Yeah, do that. You know. Yeah, and like, they never did that in the first movie, and I think that has no. a lot to do with the writer, Simon Pegg. Yes, Simon, Simon Pegg. And uh, looked, what's the other guy? Well, originally, originally, I think the original writers were the same writers as the first two, and actually one of the writers was going to direct the third movie. But for whatever reason – they pulled the script and they pulled the director. They got a, they got Justin Lin and then Simon Pegg and another dude wrote the movie. Um, and it you can tell that Simon Pegg loves Star Trek because it's Star Trek. It, it like Star Trek in the Darkness for me didn't feel like Star Trek. This felt like Star Trek. Um, it had the humor. It had the action. It had some like holy shit moments. It had some. Uh, well, he, he wasn't the only writer on it. He co-wrote this with uh, Doug Jung, wrote, co-wrote this with, with him. Joe Jung. Oh, that's right. That's right. So they both, you could tell, I'm sorry, I, I should have got credit where credit's due. They both did a fabulous job of writing this movie and creating an actual Star Trek movie that is very enjoyable. Well, I, I'll be watching this multiple times and really enjoying it. Um, and it's weird. Uh, someone made a joke on the internet about how the original uh, movies, every even movies is good and the odd movies suck. And then in this franchise, all the odd movies are good and the even <laughs> well, so far anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So far a little, a little uh, Easter egg in there. Doug Jung actually makes a cameo in the movie, two cameos in the movie. He's actually plays, I believe he actually plays um, Sulu's husband in the movie. Yes. 
So, uh, which, so let's talk about that for a second. What's the big fucking deal about that? Honestly, like they were talking about that problem with it. You know, I think the, I think the biggest problem is that George Takai had a problem with it. Um, and you couldn't, you couldn't find, you couldn't find a bigger, you know, uh, gay rights activist who is in the media spotlight than, than uh, George Sakai. I think for him is his problem. I think, which I can understand too, is that he played Sulu straight in the original series and didn't want them to change a straight character into a gay character and just wanted a gay character to begin with, like okay. getting your own, um, which I can, which Sulu- I can kind of see that I can, I, I, I see his point. But honestly, from what, what the second I read that Sulu was going to be gay, I was like, oh, fuck, that's an awesome homage to Takai. Because yeah, I thought so, too. Right. Because like we just said in the beginning of the podcast that JJ rebooted the entire franchise from the time travel shit. So there's no straight Sulu. Like there's there's there could not even they could, you know what I mean like there's me no that Spock goes back in time and screws everything up and so soon he turns gay <laughs> yeah like like it's like it's like a, it's a gay version of Flashpoint <laughs> <laughs> like uh, like Kirk could have been bisexual in this version like it doesn't matter because JJ rebooted the whole thing you know so that doesn't really matter um, but I thought it was an awesome homage I see Takai's point awesome. but it was it was beautifully done in the movie. Um, it was very subtle, and I loved. I loved when you first saw, when you first realized that Sulu's gay, but Kirk knew it the whole time, and he just saw a fa- like a family reuniting after a long yes. journey, and he it just smiled, touching. and he looked. He looked like he was jealous too, which was awesome. Which I thought was great because yeah. there's Sulu, you know, after this long journey, three years I think they were out, and he, they come back to that to that uh, space station or whatever. And he's greeted there with his husband and, and their daughter. I think it's daughter, right? Yeah, daughter. Yes. And and Kirk just looks over. They're embracing. And Kirk looks and has a smile, this beautiful smile where he's like, that's gorgeous. I'm a little jealous. Or at least that's what I took it as anyway. Like, yeah, that he no, doesn't, of course. And jealous that. in a way of like, I wish I had that too. Like, yeah, exactly. I like I had a family to come back not to. Not like angry jealous, just like, just right. kind of like, ah, like I wish I had that. He's still so, like, what I like about these movies is you see – you see um, Kirk developing that that confidence that Shatner already had when you first see him in the in the Star Trek series. Like, yeah, yeah, they're 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 developing that, and they're developing Spock in such a way that is such a revelation too. Because, um, you know, in the original Star Trek, Spock was you know it took really I think a long time to kind of develop him you know kind of turning human a little bit or human it wasn't until the bit. it wasn't until he died actually or towards it, it started I, for me it kind of started in the um the really big, uh no it started uh, it started even more in um in uh in the wrath of khan for me anyway oh and that yeah and then a little bit in the search for spock which wasn't really good but but for me it started there and you got to remember that there was a lot of TV shows that happened before the Wrath of Khan. Before yeah, like ninety himself. shows, right? Yeah. So it took a while, and they're doing it in a way where every episode, every movie that they've done so far, they they push along. They're like, it's almost like catching up with old friends a little bit in this movie, where like my, you only you only need like a couple throwaway lines that make sense for each character. Yeah, my favorite thing about this movie is the fact that they branched off. 
they kind of coupled them up. So they branched off into there's different storylines going on. But anytime like Spock was with Bones was my favorite part. Yeah. Because yeah. those two couldn't be a bigger contrast. And yet there's you see the friendship there and you see the aggravation and frustration, but they have they care about each other. And it's that's all it's that's just, all in the that's all in the writers knowing like, hey, this will be yeah. really funny if we keep these two together. You know? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they did such a bang up job. And, and and that was the other thing too, was a saving grace for me also before, even though I was skeptical about Justin Lin directing the movie, I knew how big of a nerd Simon Simon Pegg is. Yes. So I was like, Oh, he's writing this? I was like, Oh, that's fucking awesome. You know you're gonna get some Star Trek shit in there. And and he, the movie makes me want to go back and watch the TV show just to see if I missed any Easter eggs because I'm sure I missed a shit ton of Easter eggs in this in this movie. There's a I, ton, man. Yeah, that and, I didn't and, get. And he definitely injects a lot of a lot of appropriate humor, you know, into it too, which I really enjoyed. Um. Uh. So we should probably we should probably say they since there were two writers. Yeah. Yeah. We should absolutely. Um. So. The plot of the movie actually wasn't too bad. Um, usually, big popcorn movies, you don't really care too much about the plot. You're just like, whatever. I just want to see action and cool shit and all that stuff. But they actually had a, a kind of a decent plot about, um, you know, they're in the middle of their five-year mission, right? They're like three years in. They're they're tired. Um, Kirk is like wondering, why is he doing this? Like, he, he's thinking about quitting and like working at a desk job in a space station. I right. think Spock is thinking about... Um, I like Spock's um, uh, character in this because they interwove, um, you know, Leonard Nimoy's death. They they interwove that into the movie where Spock, he got the news that Spock had died. And that really, you see that hurt him big time. And oh, yeah, about, I fucking love that. I love thinking about I leaving um, Starfleet to help the Vulcans, you know, um, help the Vulcans. uh keep, you know, keep their, uh, species going and whatnot, like take care of them and all that stuff. And, um, you'd be the ambassador for the Vulcans that, that the other Spock was. And so it's really hit. I mean, it, you could see how hard it hit him, especially since like, that's him older, you know, it's like, Oh shit, I know when I'm going to die now. <laughs> like I know like that it, so many multiple things are going on in his head, you know? Um, and it's, that's really tough, but I really, really like that, um, that they interwove that in there. Um, I, I loved it when they when they did the death of Spock in there, or you know basically Leonard Nimoy. I was like, oh my god, this is such a perfect homage, and it, yes. it worked. It worked for the story though. Like it wasn't forced. Like it wasn't like a giant like fucking Mountain Dew uh, vending machine in the middle of the shot that turns right. into an evil robot. Um, I fucking loved it. I love. Yeah, I was um, wondering if they were going to do something, and when I saw that, I was like, oh my god, that's like it's. It's both brilliant and like I think very appropriate. Uh, really like um, does does service to his memory and whatnot. I really really like that. And they spend some time uh, on that. Yeah, I loved even the part at the end when he's trying to still figure out whether or not he wants to be in Starfleet. And you see one of the uh, things that Spock actually kept was. Um, was the picture of the entire Enterprise cruise, and it was the old school Enterprise cruise, which was fucking yeah, it was awesome. the undiscovered country picture, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. I, I yeah. So the, yeah, there's so much love done. Like I, I feel like almost like the writing went for that kind of stuff 
is almost like when JJ went back and did Star Wars. Um, there was like this love of yes, paying proper. And, he, and JJ's not even a Star Trek fan. He said no, he's, he's he not. was way he's more not. of a Star Wars fan. So yeah, that's why he first... turned Star Trek into Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I love the first. I mean, don't get me wrong. The first Star Trek is great. It's got so much, you know, humor and action and and wonder and it, like it's a, it's multiple viewings. You know, you can watch that movie over and over again. It's got a lot of good stuff in it. Um, this movie, the only the only gripe I would have would be like the bad guy. I love Idris Elba so much, and so yes. but he reminded me he reminded me way too much of the villain in the first movie where Eric Bana played, you know, a Romulan. Yeah, um, I, I got that. I got that a little bit because it was one person um, going against the entire Starfleet again or um, the Federation. So um, it was a little weird, um, but it it kind of worked a little bit. Um, they definitely made him really menacing. Like he was a bad, bad guy. He was taking people and sucking the life force out of him to keep yeah. him like alive. Um, he was kinda, which was, he was like maybe really kind of doing, kind of doing what the emperor did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the cast, the whole cast is back. Um, seeing Anton in there, that really kind of broke my heart. You know, it was almost like watching fast and the furious and seeing, you know, Paul Walker on the screen. I, yeah, I, you luckily, know. he had a big role in this movie, too. He had he a had lot a, bigger role. Yeah. yeah and, he was uh, with, uh, he, was he with Kirk, Kirk the whole time? Yeah, yeah he was Kirk, with Kirk yeah, yeah. the whole time. And they had some good interactions there. It was like, it was almost like also like they, they looked back to the first two movies and like, well, who doesn't get any love? And they kind of just upped the everybody. Yeah, I think, I think the one person that had less to do would be Uhura uh, compared to all the rest. Like everyone else had a lot of shit to do. Yeah, um, yeah, but she got a lot of love in the first movie. Yeah, she did. Yeah, um, but the newcomer. Oh my gosh, the 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 female lead. She kicked ass. She's not really she a newcomer. Was, She's been around. Well, newcomer to the Star Trek franchise, I guess you could say. Um, because the fact I love the fact that at the end, because she doesn't have family or anything anymore. I think at the at the end they go, "Hey, I pulled some strings. We're you know we're going to get you in the Starfleet." I was like, oh, genius. Like, we get to see more of her, you know, in, in the – hopefully in the next movie. Right. Um, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. But, uh, yeah, the, the definitely um, the cast had a lot of stuff to do. They really uh, paid really well attention to each character, got to do something, got to say a funny line, got to do some sort of action or some sort of set piece. Um I still think my favorite is the tender moments between like Bones and, and Spock were my favorite moments. Yeah, yeah. Um, when he's pulling the when he pulls the metal out of his gut. <laughs> yeah, um, really good stuff there. Um, you got to see Kirk again develop more and more. I mean, you know, again, he's like kind of overshadowed by his by his dad still, and he's he's still struggling to figure out who he is, and you could see that a lot in this movie compared to like Stark in the Star Trek in the darkness. They kind of, kind of that, I don't know, kind of disappeared a little bit that, that part, but it came back in this movie. He was just kind of like trying to figure out what am I doing? Like, who am I? What do I want to do with my life and all that stuff? And, and right. it was great, great, great stuff. Um, so the fun of Star Trek is back again, a lot of humor. I think that definitely had some Simon Pegg in it or possibly the other writer as well. Um, well, I think the science, the science in Star Trek is back. Um, yeah, the science too. That was the that was the biggest, I think, gripe with a lot of Star Trek fans that that it was nothing but like blockbuster action stuff, and and the science fiction part of it was gone. Um, and I think they brought some of it back. It it is 
it is still a little action heavy, probably for a lot of true Star Trek fans. But out of the last three movies that have been released, I mean, I, I would I would find it hard to find a Star Trek fan who didn't say like that this movie was closest to Star Trek that they've gotten so far. I, since the I think you're right. Um, I think Star Trek has never really been action heavy. It's always been about character development and the story. Um, but you can do both. You can do both. But, but you one, can, yeah, if you have the right director and the right writers, you can do both. I mean, it's been proven time and time again. But these de- these new Star Treks definitely have a lot more action, I think, because the studios kind of expect that so that the audience has, you know, eye candy or whatever. But it doesn't matter how much special effects you have if the story and the characters are shit. So, oh, you know, actually, when you said special effects, it reminded me of something I wanted to talk about when I was watching the movie. I saw it in IMAX, like I always see all these big blockbuster movies. I have never seen the destruction of a ship like that before that took so much care in showing like what it was like watching that ship be destroyed because oh. the, the Enterprise has been destroyed many fucking times in movies. Um, yes. And other iconic ships have been destroyed too. Like the Batmobile has been destroyed a lot of t- fucking times um, in movies. Um, what other big things? I mean, Knight Rider has been fucked up a bunch of times, and you know, Airwolf and all these other iconic ships and stuff like that have been destroyed. Uh, even even the Firefly Serenity ship has been uh, messed up a couple of times. But there was something about the way that they filmed this destruction of the Enterprise that seemed like. It was somebody if, – if you went to somebody and was like, you're, you're a Star Trek fan, right? And you were like, you love the Enterprise. You love everything about Star Trek. You're like, well, if I had to destroy the Enterprise, how would I do it? You know, How would I do it without making it seem like every other thing that's ever been destroyed? Like, like how many times can we watch the White House be destroyed in like a Roland Emmerich movie, right? So, <laughs> right. But every time it gets destroyed, like you don't give a shit. You know what I mean? It's just a big giant explosion. For some reason or – it's not for some reason, but – the way that they did it in this movie, I remember watching it, and I was like, "Oh my god!" They took a lot of care in showing the 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 crew members and the ship itself being destroyed, and the reaction of the crew members to the ship being destroyed. I was like, "Wow, this is like a love fest with the Enterprise," and I thought it was done like beautifully. It it was done really amazing. It also reminded me, or, or like the parallelism between the first movie and this movie. You know, when his dad is essentially, you know, everyone's jumping ship on the pods and his dad has to stay behind and shoot, you know, keep them off the pods, keep the people, you know, safe and all that stuff. And he ends up dying in the Enterprise. Um, It kind of reminded me about a little bit about that because... It did remind me that too. I just thought... Because Kirk Kirk stayed to the very end. And then when he... I love that shot when he ejects out of the ship and he watches his beloved ship crash all the way down. It was so like uh, he you could just see him. He's just like, fuck, you know, like, oh, my God, my ship. You know, it was yeah, such I an awesome it. shot. Um, yeah, I loved all. I loved that really good scene. And you're like broken hearted. You're like, oh, my God, they just fucked that shit up. They they tore that ship up so badly, you know, and um, and and they were grabbing the pods out of the air, you know, like just snagging all the pods and um Scotty's pod was different though. It like he jumped into that thing and it shot off like lightning. Like yeah. they couldn't cap- capture it. <laughs> that was kind of cool. Um they ejected the warp core too, didn't they? Like I thought I saw the warp core being ejected or whatever. Uh I can't remember. I, I don't remember off the top of my head right now. 
but um, no, that it, that was beautifully done. You're right. That was a really, really good sequence. Um, that was both scary and you know, both like kind of heartbreaking. You're just like, um, oh, we've seen it destroyed many times, like you said, but not like that. Like they really like that swarm of bees. I think they mentioned later, just like just tore it up. You know, and you see people flying out into space, and you're like, oh fuck, that's a bad way to go. You know, I hate to die that way. And yeah, I was I was nutty. I mean, totally nutty. And they go back to the ship later. They go back to the saucer to get something, and <clears throat> that was kind of a cool sequence too. They're running at the top of the ship as it's like tilting, <laughs> and they're like sliding down. I was like, oh my god, like this has never been done. This is so cool. Um, yeah, yeah. It was it was there was something about it that just like stood out to me more so than anything about any other ship that I've seen destroyed. But it was cool. You know, the, the, the woman fighter, she was really super cool. You know, when Scotty comes across her and you find out that she's not just a warrior, but she's a techie too. Like she's been working on this uh, project that she finds in the mountain, which ends up being an old starship that went missing many, many, many years prior. Um, and uh, so that was pretty cool. You know, you kind of saw that coming where they were going to get that ship up and running and that was going to be at the end, you know, which it still worked. I mean, it was it was really neat how they, you know, got everything put together and they had to go on a mission to get something to bring back to that ship to get it started. And um, so that was all cool. And then, and then finally when the whole crew kind of meets up, you know, like Lord of the Rings, and they all get together and they do the mission and you're like, okay, cool, like they're back and – now they're going to kick ass and and um, and they actually like the way they beat him is actually pretty reasonable too. You know, they I guess the, there's a frequency that controls the swarm and they're able to break into that frequency and they play the music really loud and and which was super cool. Like I'm watching the movie and when they played that song from the first movie, which it's um, is it Beastie Boys? Yep. Like, yep. yeah, they play that song like super loud and all the, the swarms blowing up. And I was just like, I was rocking out. I was like, oh, this is awesome. You know, and then, of course, the set piece at the end with Kirk, you know, fighting Idris Elba, who now looks more like Idris Elba because his, his, uh, he doesn't look so alien anymore. It's like wearing off or something like that. Um, no, it was, it was, you know, it was really cool. Um, and I think by the end of that movie, he, he found himself, he knew where he needed to be and Spock kind of knew where he needed to be too, by the end. And I, I really liked that. It was like a, like they came full circle within the movie and I, I liked that a lot. Um, and all the, all the other supporting characters, you know, did an amazing job. I still love the, the dynamic between, um, Scotty and his little friend, you know, the little, was it Kevin? He calls him Kevin or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Who, <clears throat> when he throws up, throws up acid, I guess, apparently, <laughs> or sneezes, sneezes acid. Yeah, he sneezes, nose. yeah. <clears throat> it's pretty funny. But anyway, that's pretty much Star Trek in a nutshell. Um, but All right, so let's go, let's go, uh, let's do ratings. Whoa, the post-credits, oh. though, hold on. Oh, the post-credits, oh, the post-credits. was, I, when I, when the movie ended, I Googled if Star Trek has a end credits, because like you had mentioned in the Ghostbusters podcast, almost every movie, thanks to Marvel, now has an end sequence of some kind. Of course, I missed the Ghostbusters one because I was just like, oh, I got to get out of here. Um, but <clears throat> the it said, just stay and wait, and there's a nice tribute. So I stayed and waited for it. It's not even very long at all, and it comes out. But it said um, something that dedicated it to Leonard Nimoy, 
and showed his birth date and death and all that stuff. And then, um, and then it said for Anton, which really got me choked up when I saw that. I was like, oh man, because that just happened recently. So they were able to add that to the end really quickly. Right. Um, so yeah, and it, it overall though, I mean, we'll go into our ratings now. I, I'm going to have to give it, um, maybe this is being a little generous, but I'd, I'd have to say four and a half uh, chainsaws for me. Because okay. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then as far as the uh, diversity ratings go, this is kind of a, like a difficult one. I, I'd i say Jan Brady. I mean, because it's Star Trek. They have, I mean, there's... Really? They had a... I, I, th- I think so. I don't think it was a plethora. Do you? Or, or do you think it was more Casper? I'm going to go... No, definitely not Casper. Um, well, for my for the movie rating, I think I'm going to go four. Uh, four stars. Okay. Um, not four stars, four lightsabers. I, I can't think of a reason why not to give it five. I, I As much as I love the movie, there's just something preventing me from giving it five stars. Like it wasn't yeah. – and here's here's my defense for that is I didn't walk out of it like I did in Civil War. Like um, five lightsabers for Civil War, I didn't walk out the same way that I did for Star Trek. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give it four – and I still love the movie. I'm sure maybe maybe my rating will change later, but I'm going to give it four lightsabers. And as far as my okay. diversity goes, I'm going to give it. I'm going to. It'll be my first plethora um, because Star Trek has always been on the forefront of being diverse um, or being normal, I should say. Um, and it, it took it to an, another level here, where the main villain was a black guy, and they made Sulu gay, which. Um, was homage again to George the Kai, but if you look at the cast itself, it's it's they have everything there. Um, I guess the only thing they don't have is like an Indian guy there, but I'm sure like if you looked at the Federation yeah, stuff, you know, there, there I guess was. I, I guess you're right there. I, I forgot about the the John Cho thing, and also the the female because when we again, folks, when we talk diversity. We're not talking just race. We're talking gender. We're talking yeah. We're uh, talking everything and and everything. They um, they basically. I mean, they didn't. They, I'm, for me, they don't have to hit. Um, I want to. I want to kill your birds. By the way, they don't. They don't. Uh, <laughs> they don't. Uh, they don't. Um, they don't have to hit every single diversity note, right? They, they don't have to have. Uh, there's not a checklist for me where it's like it has to have all these things in there, um, but it has to have a good amount of diversity in it. Um, like for Ghostbusters, for me, I gave it to Jan Brady because it was glaring to me that they were sitting above a Chinese restaurant. There was no Asian guys there or Asian women. Like that was right. weird to me. So that was that was weird, you know, and, and like for Master of None, that's a fucking plethora right there. They nailed everything there. And for Star Trek, they, they basically got the gambit almost, you know. So for me, it, it's a plethora. It doesn't have to hit every single thing. It just has to come close to it for me to be a plethora where it's not just whitewashed the entire thing. Right. So for me, for me, that. for me, it's plethora for that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, okay. So those are our ratings. Now I'm going to go into just something really quickly. I know you didn't do this, but I, I, well, I didn't do it, it because I didn't watch all of them. So yeah, I exactly. Could, I, I right. I've, I've seen, I've seen every single movie multiple times. Um, so there are now 13 Star Trek movies That's and I'm just going to go very, like, this is like Friday the 13th territory. Yeah, exactly. But, but you know, not as bad. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there's now 13 movies. Um, they started back in the seventies all the way till today. So this is going on. I, um, Oh, you know, I think they just celebrated their 50th year actually of star Trek, right. which is pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, so <clears throat> 13 movies, I'm going to go from 13 all the way to my number one pick. Okay. okay. So 13, 
13, I'm going to begin uh, by saying Final Frontier, I think, is the worst uh, Star Trek movie um, for, for many reasons. One, I think, you know, I think William Shatner himself directed that. Um, it, it basically was fighting Jesus at the end, <laughs> almost, um, or, or would have been fighting Jesus at the end had, the, uh, had they done the original script. That's where I, where I read somewhere. Um, number 12, Nemesis, which was a uh, next generation movie. It was their last one. It was the one that pretty much killed the franchise for a long time until J.J. brought it back. Um, not a good movie. Um, the first Star Trek movie. Uh, would be number 11. That's the Star Trek, the motion picture. Wow. Okay. Yeah. If you go back and watch it, it's pretty freaking boring. And, and it's, there's long shots of like the enterprise ship. That's it. Just long shots of it, of them. I think watching that's all they it, could. Like, aff- I think that's all they could afford. That's all they could afford. Right. But still it's okay. Um, number 10 for me would be um, Star Trek nine, which would be insurrection. Again, that's another next generation movie. Those, the next generation movies kind of started out not great. And then they, and then they peaked with it with one movie and then they went down again. Um, and that's when they started going down again as an insurrection. Number nine, I would say generations. That's when they combined, uh, the two franchises, the old and the new a little bit. Mm-hmm. They brought, they brought Kirk back. That was total fan service. Um, <clears throat> number six would be, uh, Star Trek into darkness. Uh, oh, sorry. I just totally skipped. Uh, Generations number nine. Sorry. Number eight would be Search for Spock. That was kind of one of the weaker uh, old generation ones. Um, still is okay, but it was kind of the weaker one. Number s- seven would be Undiscovered Country. That was the last one of the old crew. Uh, number uh, six would be Star Trek in the Darkness. Um, number five, The Voyage Home. That was one of my favorites for a really long time with the whales and all that stuff, the time traveling. Yeah, I really um, like that one. So number four, I would have to put Star Trek Beyond. In, at number four, I very okay. really enjoyed this movie. Number three, the first Star Trek reboot. Um, number two, Wrath of Khan. Oh wow! Yeah, and number one, I have to say, was uh, my favorite Star Trek film. Just edging out Wrath of Khan a little bit would be First Contact, which is uh, the first real next generation film wow. um, that involved time travel and the Borg. Tom I Hardy loved- was in that one. I loved that movie. No, Tom Hardy was in Nemesis. Oh, okay, okay. I thought it was First yeah. Contact. No, First Contact is such a good film. And, and Wrath of Khan is a near-perfect film, too. So it's that was really hard for me. At the end, I had to think what would be like what would edge out Wrath of Khan. And, and First Contact has a little bit more going for it than Wrath of Khan did. Um, and it holds up, too, if you in multiple viewings. So... Uh, but that would be my my ranking system. I don't know if some people out there would be like, no, Wrath of Khan is The Empire Strikes Back. It's the, the best film. And it is. It's so freaking good. But I thought First Contact was a little bit better. Hmm. Um, Interesting. So now I, I want to end really quickly before I go into an announcement. But they they were talking about, before this movie even came out, they, they greenlit another movie. Um, and JJ has come out saying some really interesting rumors about how he would like to do a time travel movie. Um, I thought it was already, I thought it was already set in stone that Chris Hemsworth was signed on for the next movie. I, I have no, maybe that's new. That's brand new. But like, from what I read, like not even a week ago, they were talking about how he would like to have, uh, this Kirk meet his dad 
you know, um, in some time traveling scenario, which I thought was really interesting because the, the journey that Kurt goes on through all the movies recently is that he's living in his dad's shadow and he's like trying to figure out like basically his dad did it because he loves Starfleet and he did it because on a dare to be in Starfleet. So it's, he's still trying to figure himself out. And I think it'd be a really good, like full rounded, you know, character development thing if they, kind of went that route but i don't know what that story would be like i mean you can't do another voyage home you know it's got to be something a little bit different um maybe a flashpoint kind of thing i don't know so but anyway that's that's star trek uh beyond in a nutshell and and all that good stuff yeah i uh, i'm i'm a little wary about the the time travel again and bringing back chris hemsworth only after four movies or three movies so i mean they did tease it in this one you know the whole the whole trailer the whole first trailer is about Kirk and his dad so so they did tease it um, yeah so you know we'll see I mean if 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 Peg and and Jung are still writing the movie and and Lin's directing then you know they got my yeah, street sign cred. me up they, I'm in yeah yeah they got my street cred from this movie so, yeah for um, sure so the ironic so, big announcement that we have go ahead this is huge yes so um, something. <clears throat> happened uh i'd say about a month ago i not really something happened but i just kind of had this idea of like i've been wanting to go to rancho obi-wan for a really long time since they opened up i think like three or four years ago and i've been a big fan of steve steve sand suites for for a really long time when i first uh saw him at uh, i want to say it was celebration one or two i can't remember it's it was a long time ago and I just fascinated because he is the the number one, I guess, private collector of Star Wars memorabilia than anyone else on the planet. Like over yeah, three hundred thousand items. Right. Like he holds he holds the Guinness Book of World Records for it. Yes, Guinness. He's actually in the book, <clears throat> um, so that's re- really super cool. So when I heard that he opened his up his own museum, I thought, oh my god, this is genius! I want to go so badly. And it's not that far from me. Um, it's in Petaluma, California. I'm. I think I'm like four, four and a half hours away. You're, I think, half that away. Um, so anyway, I, I said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we went and visited the ranch or visited the museum and and then podcasted about it? And then I kind of went a little step further and thought, well, we'll wait, maybe let me see if we can maybe get him. That would be really cool if we can get him to come on our podcast and interview. And I know he's done interviews before, but not on our podcast. We're cool bunch anyway no not to knock in the other podcast but anyway <laughs> so we wanted him on here <clears throat> so i i reached out <clears throat> to his uh, representatives uh thank you cody stark for giving us the info info um but i reached out and they said yes and so um we're going to be going to rancho obi-wan um in the next couple of weeks and we're going to get to sit down with steve sansweet so we're going to have a, a a big podcast about our experience uh walking around rancho obi-wan and then to put the awesome Star Wars nail in the coffin, so to speak. Uh, we're going to be able to uh, interview Steve Sansweet and ask him some chew on this questions. Uh, and so very, very excited about that. <clears throat> so look forward to that in the coming weeks. Um, yeah, we have some in, more reviews. That'll be in two weeks. Um, the podcast will get released on August 8th. So look out for that. August 8th. Yeah, which is going to be, again, you know, this week is unusual. We have two podcasts. I think that week we might even have two because I think Suicide Squad comes out that Friday. Um, but 
next week, I think we're talking, I don't know, maybe Jason Bourne. So we have, we have some really good stuff coming up, but look forward to that. And we'll re, we'll mention it again. Um, and we'll, uh, advertise the hell out of that. Cause that's very, very exciting for two huge star Wars nerds, um, to meet, uh, Steve in that capacity. So we really look forward to that. We hope you guys will enjoy that as well. But, um, yeah. Anything else you want to add? No, I think that's it. I mean, for us, this is um, for for the Star Wars fans that we are. This is other than um, because Steve is Steve is like us, right? He just happens to be famous. Um, yes, you know he 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 buys all the toys, gets everything, and now he gets more shit than he ever could imagine to open a museum. Um, my shit just fits in my garage. So, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I mean, the museum going to the museum itself is going to be awesome. Like. I can't wait to see some of the toys that I grew up with and destroyed. And I want to probably kill myself at the end of the tour for doing oh, such yeah. things. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I remember. Like, oh, my God, I could, be st- I could be a multimillionaire with all these toys. I could be the 40-year-old virgin. God damn it. Yeah, I, could, I remember uh, chewing on uh, Darth Vader's lightsaber um, as a kid. <laughs> I remember you just I remember I swallowed Boba Fett's rocket. I remember, like, just sitting there. Back in the day, the lightsabers used to come out uh, of the hand, and they had this like little niblet at the end of it. There's like yep. little lightsaber nipple, and I remember watching TV. I don't remember what I was watching, but I remember I was watching TV, standing there, sitting there in the couch, laying down, and had Darth Vader's lightsaber in my hand, uh, in my mouth, just chewing on it like it was like a toothpick <laughs> or something. Well, you know, recently, like I was watching uh, Mark Hamill because um, he's been all over the place from Celebration to Comic-Con, or I don't know if he went to Comic-Con, but he's been all over the place. And he was talking about, you know, telling people, please take your toys out of the boxes and play with them. And so you kind of went a step further and you actually started chewing them. So um, kudos to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but um, anyway, some really good stuff to look forward to, guys. Um, but that was our uh, Star Trek Beyond review. So... Yep. <clears throat> That's episode 36 of Chew on This, a Nerds United podcast. I'm BJ. Vic. Until next time, folks, chew on that. Later. <laughs>